If Stephen Burr was aiming for theatre during his trial, the former reality TV star instead delivered farce and pantomime. But it was no laughing matter. The celebrity Big Brother winner was sent to prison for 21 months in March, following his conviction on revenge porn charges in December last year. Burr uploaded a video of him having sex with Love Island star Georgia Harrison without her consent on OnlyFans and WhatsApp. He was charged with two counts of disclosing private sexual photographs or films and one count of voyeurism. From day one, he made a mockery of the proceedings from extravagant costumes and props to a rented Rolls Royce to unfounded claims about the jury. In this episode of Testimony, our true crime podcast, Ellis Whitehouse, chief reporter at Essex Live, who was there throughout the trial, discusses Burr's bizarre behaviour, the bravery of Georgia Harrison, and the reaction to his conviction. Welcome to Testimony. So just to start with, who exactly is Stephen Bear? Stephen Bear is an Essex-based reality TV star, or he was a reality TV star. He appeared on several shows such as The Challenge, X on the Beach, before going as a contestant on Celebrity Big Brother in 2016, which he ended up winning. Uh, after his reality TV stints, uh, he started to work in the adult entertainment industry, launching his own OnlyFans account, uh, where he posts his own videos for people to subscribe uh, to view them. And that is where we find ourselves when he is first accused of these crimes, which he ended up being convicted of. What was Berg convicted of? And can you tell us about the lead up to the trial? Yes, so it's a bit of a saga. So it goes back to when Stephen Bear was first on the challenge several years ago. Uh, he and another contestant, Georgia Harrison, started up a relationship while they were filming. It was out in another country. Uh, they were in their own little bubble, they said, and they started a romance. And uh, it, it lasted for most of the show. But then it was discovered at the end of the show that uh, Bear still had a girlfriend back home and this upset Georgia quite a bit. I think it was recorded on the show itself and it was also brought up in the court case, but essentially she cut ties with him there. She didn't want to be in a relationship with him anymore and they kind of left it at that. Then it was a couple of years later, back in uh, 2020, uh, in August of that year, uh, it turns out just one thing, just by sheer circumstance, uh, they had both ended up living in the same street in Loughton in Essex and there was one day where uh, Georgia and and Bear had been talking and they'd, uh, she decided to go go and visit him just to kind of catch up with an old friend. Uh, they'd gone out for lunch, gone out for some drinks and gone back to his house. And then uh, they were outside uh, in his garden and uh, he suggested to Bear setting up some playing cards to play a game. One thing leads to another and uh, they end up having uh, consensual sex in Stephen Bear's garden. Uh, later on, uh, it is discovered that this sexual encounter has been caught on Bear's CCTV footage. And initially, he shares it with her, show, showing her saying, I think this has been caught on CCTV. She is quite concerned about this, asks him not to share it. Uh, later on that night, he shares it uh, with someone on WhatsApp. The video file goes to someone else in his, his WhatsApp app. She notices this and gets concerned. She He reassures her, no, it's okay, it's fine. I, I never, he would never share it. I wouldn't share it. I wouldn't do that to you, that sort of thing. They go their separate ways after he has promised her that he would not share it anywhere else at all. 
So that was in August 2020. Then later on that year, uh, in I believe it was November 2020, Georgia starts getting messages uh, and calls saying, have you seen the video? Have you seen the video? Uh, and she realises that this CCTV recording of herself and Bear in his garden has been uploaded to his OnlyFans account. And she never consented to this. And this obviously was a big, big shock to her. And she immediately started to try and get this video taken down. It was not something that she wanted up for anyone to see. And after reporting it to OnlyFans, it was taken down within the next day or two. But then by this time, it had spread everywhere. It was um, She realised it had gone global. It was on various porn websites and everywhere else um, on, online, being shared on Twitter, on different th- different social media platforms. So it was uncontrollable at this point. Uh, this was the end of 20, 2020. So by by the end of 2020, when she got home from Dubai, she started uh, the process of reporting it to the police. And in January 2021, Stephen Bear is arrested by Essex police officers uh, on his return to the UK from Dubai at Heathrow Airport. He's interviewed uh, under caution uh, and is uh, later released on bail. And uh, later on, uh, the CPS, the Crown Prosecution Service, authorise charges of the technical term is disclosing private sexual images or films without consent with intent to cause distress. So he's charged with two counts of that, which essentially are the revenge porn charges. And then also he is charged with a single count of voyeurism. And that is uh, basically watching a sexual act without permission for your own gratification in a nutshell. A trial date is set. Uh, He pleads not guilty. And um, initially the trial is due to take place earlier in 2022. But then it gets delayed due to various different complications with the legal system. And it it is then delayed until December 2022 last year, which is obviously where we find ourselves with the trial. And then the trial begins uh, in quite unprecedented fashion. Let's talk about that. Despite this being a very, very serious case, Burr liked to certainly make an entrance when entering the court. What sort of stunts did he pull? Yeah, so I didn't know too much about Stephen Bear before this trial. Uh, I knew he'd been on a few different reality TV shows. I knew he was based in Essex and uh, we had done a couple of reports where he had breached his bail conditions beforehand before the trial. But other than that, I didn't really know too much other than he was alleged to have uploaded a video of himself and his ex-partner without their consent. So I didn't really know too much what to expect. I knew it was going to be a fairly significant trial and that there was going to be lots of attention. Um, But yeah, I was fairly much kind of completely out of the loop with it until it happened. When I arrived at court, uh, I know the court quite well, Chancellor Crown Court, I'm there quite regularly. Uh, I walked in and um, put my bag down to be checked by security and to go through the archways. And then the security staff uh, asked me, Oh, you're, are you here to cover um, this uh, reality stars inquest? And like, oh, Stephen Bear, yes, yes, I am. Yes. Oh, um, he he's already turned up. I was like, okay, and he he turned up in a massive Rolls Royce, wearing this really big suit with a fur coat and sunglasses and stuff, and was being papped by loads of photographers. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is going to be something very different to what I'm used to. So I initially I didn't get his first arrival because I, I I arrived shortly afterwards because in fairness I wasn't really expecting such a spectacle, but then the fo- the photos from um, various news agencies started coming in and we saw full firsthand that he was wearing a pink suit, big draped fur coat, arm in arm, uh, linked hands with his girlfriend, right arriving in this Rolls Royce which later turned out to be rented, and it was it essentially it was a pure. It was a pure show for the cameras. It was quite obvious that he was doing it for a reason. 
And it also, as we went through the trial, this wasn't reported at the time because of various contempt of court issues, but um, he had posted, he was posting on his Twitter account regularly during the trial. Um, but he'd posted a poll the a couple of days before asking his followers what colour suit he should wear for his court appearance. And it turns out that um, pink won the vote. So he wore pink for his first day. Uh, and then this kind of carried on he, every single day of his trial. It lasted about a, in the space of seven days. Um, there was a weekend in between, but I think the trial itself was was four, five, six days long. But he wore a different colour suit uh, most days. He wore uh, grey, he wore black, uh, he uh, I think he did the pink suit again another day and then another another burgundy suit. It was just a different outfit every day and they kept getting more and more just ludicrous. Um, and so because of the massive interest in the case, uh, we I decided to essentially go down there every day before right at the start of the court day to, to capture him arriving because um, it was a bit of a difficult situation for me because on the one hand, it was quite evident that he wanted to do this for the cameras and that I was essentially giving him what he wanted but at the same time I've got a, I've got a job to do and report a very high profile case make the coverage as interesting and accurate as possible and essentially I filmed him every every day arriving at court in his different outfits um, I remember the, the fur coat was getting bigger there was one time he I know, and this was the one it was a day, I think it was the Monday. So the, the trial began midweek one week and then it went into the next week and it was the Monday uh, this that week. We had a lot of snow in Essex, so it was quite bad weather and travel conditions. But Bear still made it to court in his Rolls Royce and I remember so clearly him getting out and he was puffing a huge cigar, just an absolutely massive cigar and also carrying a cane, a gold, gold-headed cane, along with tiger print fur coat draped over his uh, grey suit. And I remember him very clearly. He gave a little wave to me as well, which made me have very mixed emotions. That video that I shared, uh, that loads of national publications were after it. The, the Daily Mail wanted to use it. I think The Sun also wanted to use it as well. And just, that was the one where, where just like he, he'd reached peak. He'd reached peak outfit there. And that, that was his behaviour uh, outside of the courtroom. And I remember also he was sharing some of these photos uh, on his Twitter account and then also advertising uh, some form of business venture saying offering a discount to people to, to buy to buy certain things he was promoting. And there was also a tweet where he's saying, come see why I'm trending this week or something. So just really not a great deal of respect or courteousness showed to the court procedure. It was very much a show for him. George Harrison waved her right to anonymity. That's a very brave thing to do for a victim of, of this. And what was it like in the court when she gave her evidence? So, uh, again, I didn't know who Georgia Harrison was before this trial. Uh, I'm not someone who regularly follows reality TV. Uh, it's not really my thing. I completely get what people do, but it's just not my, my cup of tea. So I didn't even know uh, what, who the victim's name, who Bear's victim's name was. Uh, so I learned it was obviously Georgia Harrison, and uh, then the kind of conversations around the kind of press circle in the in the press room was that she was happy to waive her right to anonymity and be named in this thing because essentially her argument, where she said later on, was essentially she'd already lost her anonymity anyway because of how far and wide the video had gone, and that everyone knew it was her anyway. So that went away before the case even came to any kind of criminal proceedings 
so she waived her right. She she signed the she signed all the forms to the, the legal forms to do so. So we could name her from the very outset. There was a bit of a delay in getting that through because we have to be very careful with the paperwork with these kind of sexual offences. But then we could name her after the first day. Yeah, so giving evidence, Georgia was behind screens because uh, she didn't want to see Bear, and that's very common. A lot of victims will not want to see their uh, alleged attackers or abusers or uh, whatnot in court, so that, that was granted. So when Georgia came in, she was very clear. She was very concise. She was quite confident and composed, but we couldn't see her, but she sounded composed and confident in, in the in the witness box when she was being questioned. And what was it? immediately admirable about what she was doing was essentially presenting having to present such a really private and personal moment for her to a room full of jurors to a room a public courtroom so she was literally laying down very specific details of what something that should have been a completely personal private matter detailing about how the uh, how the day began, how the sexual encounter ended up happening, what happened during the sexual encounter afterwards, all of these really quite probing questions which have to be asked to, for a criminal trial because that, that's the way it goes. But what I was just, it, I was really struck by how well Georgia kind of handled it and responded to it. And then it got to the cross examination and essentially here, here was the moment where any kind of victim will will struggle because the the cross-examination is is essentially putting them on the spot a lot more representing the defendant and you could tell at one point that she was getting um just it was getting a bit emotional for her i think she was fighting through tears at one point understandably so and there was one question where i think the the defense barrister was it's essentially putting it to her that um that that it might have been a different version of events or that she potentially might have potentially might have known about the CCTV recording, which the jury found that she didn't. Uh, and then just kind of, there was a, one point where she retorted and said, no, that's 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 silly. I, I don't think you quite realise how much of a heavy situation I've been through. And there, there was one moment where the judge had to say, no, that's fine, we, we'll get to this, but we're talking about the actual event itself. And it was that was the only point really where it kind of, where George, where George's emotions were, were, were affecting her, so much that she wasn't talking in a in a more relaxed or assertive way, but that was it was just a minor wobble. But other than that, it was it was really quite powerful to listen to. And one of her final comments to the defence barrister in in her cross examination was something that immediately, as soon as I noted down, I thought, "Oh wow, that's that's really powerful. That's really poignant, and it's going to that that will get a lot of respect for her and a lot of traction." I think the the direct quote was, he hung me up on a wall naked for millions to see, and I don't want any other woman to go through that. That's why I'm on the stand today. He deserves the consequences, and that is it. And just immediately I thought, it's really hard to argue with that. <laughs> Obviously, we're still, still in, in a trial, so you, you can't be voicing your opinions too much about that. You have to be, my job as a reporter is to be impartial, is to report it in a professional manner without kind of straying onto either side, especially during a trial. Um, but I did just I shared that quote uh, on Twitter, just just presented with that without an opinion, just saying this is Georgia Harrison's final comment in the Stephen Bear revenge porn trial, and that that tweet just exploded. It got more than I think more than sixty thousand likes, uh, several thousand retweets, and everyone was praising Georgia, and it was just like it was it was a really poignant moment because it was I think she really was speaking for so many women and men who have been 
victimized or become victims of this revenge porn style crimes where their intimate their most intimate and personal moments are being shared without their permission or being used as a weapon against them and that just yeah i immediately had a lot of admiration for her, despite only discovering who she was in the past day what evidence did Bo present in return it's quite a hard question really because he didn't really have much evidence if i'm being completely honest <laughs> the defense it was all over the place it was genuinely a bit all over the place from the get-go. Yeah. It, it's kind of almost diff- difficult to put into one kind of narrative, but essentially there was at times where Bear was claiming that his accounts had been hacked. There was a time where he claimed to have no knowledge at all of any video being shared on his OnlyFans account. There were times where he claimed that Georgia wasn't the person in the in the video and there was one joking comment he made to police interviews that he could have had an evil twin brother, which is just farcical. I think he was messing around there. But essentially, his the main, the, I think the main argument that he present put forward was that he he didn't upload the voter the video himself. He had no knowledge that it appeared on his OnlyFans account, and he claimed that it was someone else who'd essentially gone in and done it for him. It was just from the from the get go. It just it just felt like such such a such a weak defense really just a, a real defense without really much merit or body to it it was it was it, it was just all over the place absolutely all over the place and what happened during the cross examination with bear as well so uh this actually was the only period in the trial which i was not present for so i was there every single day i saw bear giving uh, his first hour of testimony being where he was questioned by uh, his defense barrister but then i sadly had another appointment which I had to get to in the afternoon. So my esteemed colleague from Essex Live, Anna Willis, uh, took over the live blog and providing live updates during um, Bear's cross-examination, which was probably the most lively uh, part of the trial. So when I was there, when he was talking, he was talking a bit about uh, his upbringing, uh, what he'd done for work and his career in the, in the reality TV and then going into the adult entertainment industry. And then when I was there, uh, he was very much happy to swear in court, use the F word several times in several minutes. Um, he was casually naming women that he'd had previous sexual relationships with in open court, which they may not have been public already. And he just seemed to have such a kind of wacky geezer approach, like try, trying to be this, this likable chum where I think, ah, oh, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm an okay guy, really. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit, bit of bit of a prick but you know everyone likes me anyway and he also was openly confessing that he wasn't faithful in relationships when his own girlfriend was sat in the courtroom watching the trial which i found quite an interesting approach to take but then so during the cross-examination that's the way things started to get quite heated uh the prosecution barrister brought up uh the uh the fact that uh his only fans subscription prices had been put up when the video had uploaded i think in total it was found that he made around about two thousand pounds in the region of two thousand pounds from this one video and at one point he said it was funny at one point he said the prosecution barrister was being silly when he was it was, it was put to him that he'd put it up put it on there himself or he'd asked someone to put it on there for him he again made unfounded claims that his only fans had been hacked at one point he said uh, i'm saying this footage was never on my only fans it was never on there and it was never sold 
when evidently it was. Um, he talked about how he nearly lost his house, that he was tar- he was the target of uh, abusive messages online. He interrupted the prosecution council several times. Uh, all of this, it, it, it was a very lively few hours in the courtroom from what my colleague Anna says. And again, it just... He was seeming to, from what from what my colleague said, he was seeming to fire off in all different kind of directions and trying to see if something would stick. I don't really think he had very much of a concrete defence at all throughout of it. And when when this was essentially being put to him, he was essentially losing his cool of it, or and still trying to claim the upper hand. So yeah, that was an interesting spectacle. What was the reaction when he was found guilty and has he shown any remorse since that verdict? Yeah, so I was there when he was found guilty. So it was quite a long wait uh, for the jury to come back. I think they took a good, it was around about eight hours in total. And we ourselves were beginning to question because we, we, we all thought it was fairly clear cut. But then as time went on, we got more and more thinking, oh, well, they, they could think about this. They could might do it this way. They might move. So it was the uh, it was a bit of a wait. Um, so when the jury finally came in, they'd been given the majority direction, but they had uh, unanimous. They'd already informed the judge they had unanimous uh, decisions on the two counts of disclosing private sexual images, uh, the revenge porn ones. So if the judge gave the majority direction, and then very quickly after that, they came back. They had a verdict for the final count as well, a majority verdict. So I remember very clearly it was um, uh, Georgia wanted to hear the Georgia hadn't been present in court uh, outside of her own evidence. So she'd stayed at home and uh, but she wanted to be present for the verdict being read. So she did come into the courtroom with her mother and uh, her closest uh, friends for the verdict itself. It was a very full courtroom. And I remember the jury, the usher opened the room to the jury room and then they started filing in, but there was one which was taking his time and they were all, all in apart from this one juror. And just, I can't tell you the tension in this courtroom at this time. It was, it was, you could literally cut it with a knife. Just one of the most powerful things about court reporting that I've found is that when the jury retire, you can have, you can throw all the money, all the all the lawyers, all the arguments, all the evidence, everything uh, at, to try and prove or disprove something. But then, once it's all been heard and the jury go out, all the power is with those twelve people, uh, twelve members of the public, and I just find that so powerful. And so, the last year finally came in. It's like, okay, here we go, here we go. So. Uh, the timing was read out. Uh, the jury foreman stood up and uh, gave the verdicts of guilty for all three counts. Bear was standing in the dock, uh, and he react- he didn't react at all to the verdicts. He just stood still and uh, eyes straight forward. And then there was various legal discussions going on. At this point, Bear kind of raises his hand, um, and he's he indicating he wants to say something. And so uh, the judge directed his barrister to go and talk to him, and they. She talked between the the glass of the dock, uh, kind of un- could, couldn't hear what they were saying. And so then immediately she walks away, and Bear goes, "Well, my barrister told me not to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway." Uh, I was up on a uh, uphill bag uphill battle from the beginning, from what the media was saying about me. I didn't get a fair trial, but it is what it is. And the judge just goes, "Thank you for that observation." So from the get go, there's not really any remorse there at all. He immediately believes that. Um, he didn't get a fair trial. And that's continued really uh, in the lead up to his sentence. Uh, he didn't really address the 
guilty verdict at all online, um, apart from sharing his mugshot that the police put out, claiming that uh, he should he should go on a holiday with his girlfriend. And then we get to the sentencing itself, and he's just spouting very much unfounded claims that the juror lied to the judge or that uh, there was contempt of court issues and that he wanted to talk to the police about it. Sparing in mind that by the time he was sentenced, it was more than, it was around three or four months after he was found guilty. So there was, he'd not shown really any evidence at all beforehand. And, he, and apparently he had not gone to the police beforehand about his genuine concerns he had about this procedure. So take of that what you will. And yeah, right up to the end, right up to the end of him going into the courtroom for his sentence, there was really no remorse shown at all. Um, or the, the sentencing, he, he didn't arrive in his Rolls Royce for his sentencing. He showed up in a, his girlfriend drove him in a Range Rover and he emerged from around the corner where he parked, again, waving to cameras, posing for photos, and then he stopped before the court. And this was about five minutes before he was due to be sentenced, so he was cutting it very fine. And then he just starts a video, his girlfriend's filming him and just talking about how important it was for innocent until proven guilty, uh, didn't get a fair trial again, blah, 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 blah. Just, again, just nonsense claims, really. It's re- really flimsy nonsense claims with no 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 real weight behind them. And then he was um, confronted by uh, lots of reporters, including myself and uh, other people, and, again, repeated the same things, refused to apologise. He sang to one reporter right in front of me, um, taught a song about Lady in Red because she was wearing a red coat when she was asking him very valid questions. <sighs> It was, I've never seen behaviour like it, honestly. Never seen behaviour like it in my life. And then essentially walking towards the court, he claimed that his side of the story wasn't heard. I put to him that the jury did hear the side of, his side of the story. He retorted with, let's talk about contempt of court, uh, jurors lied. Again, no evidence of this at all. And then when he was in court and then he was sentenced, his, his barrister did, did claim to the judge that he had feeling some feeling of remorse and that he wanted to basically move on with his life with a fresh start. And it was quite a different tone from his barrister than it was from him outside. I'll, I'll say that. There was no remorse in him that I could see at all. How did Georgia react to the verdict and what work has she done since? So Georgia was very composed. Uh, she kind of appeared to breathe a sigh of relief when the when the jurors uh, read out their verdicts. Um, she gave a statement to us outside of court afterwards, saying how happy and relieved she was, and that she was standing with all other victims of uh, revenge porn cases, and her intention to to do more work with the police and more more work to prevent these things in the future, and that she'd hoped that she'd give a voice, which was all very very nice and very pleasant and. Um, again, she she gave a victim impact statement uh, at the sentencing itself, where she talked about the loss of her dignity, how she had people in the street, in the gym, kind of almost kind of looking at her with a smirk or just questioning her, that sort of thing, and just how much of how much of her her life was basically robbed from her. Had to leave her own house. She had to move back in with her mum. She said she'd lost quite a lot of income because a lot of her, a lot of the people that her firm she was working with were dro- dropping her because of the video. She basically had her life upended for a good two or three years, and all because of something that she had no control over. And it was it was really sad to hear all about that. But I just remember so clearly after after Bear was sentenced, uh, he got twenty one months in prison out of the maximum of twenty four months which he could have received. So it was a very good result on uh, on all things considered. After the sentencing, she gave a statement to reporters outside Crown Court, um, and it was very brief, just thanking everyone, saying that she had no regrets about waiving her anonymity, 
But then I just remember this, she just looked so genuinely happy, biggest smile you could ever see. And she just, she, she could, you could just tell it was this enormous weight off her shoulders after a good two to three years of fighting to get justice. And it was just so, it was just really, really moving to see. And then she went on, she'd been filming uh, during the trial and the criminal case. Uh, she'd been filming a documentary for ITV, which is out now called Georgia versus Bear which, again, was a further exploration of all of the uh, anguish she was put through. And she's done a campaign with Essex Police uh, about encouraging victims to report it to the police. I think she's going to carry that on. She's um, she's very much now devoted, I think, as alongside her usual work to, to supporting other victims, which I think is, again, really powerful and really encouraging to see that she's found that voice back again and that it's going to hopefully bring about some better changes for the future. Revenge porn is a crime that's still relatively new to the um, justice system. Has this trial, has this outcome made a difference? Yes, I think so. Um, because it's so, it was such a high-profile case, I, I wasn't expecting it to go quite as high-profile as it did. But when you had two fairly big reality TV stars up against each other on a case which is so personal and affects a lot of people who are not in the reality TV bubble, it's... um. Georgia really kind of gave them a voice, I think, and I do hope it will encourage more victims who go through it to speak up because she basically put she put it all out there. She put her whole life on the line, basically, and wasn't reluctant to keep anything back. She gave us all the, the warts and all uh, of how it affected her. If she can do that and be prepared to face all the, all the attention that it brings, then I think that it's going to do wonders to empower other people. She is talking about how she was like she wants to campaign to try and alter the um, criminal charge because this is something we debated uh, when we were waiting for the jury's result. But so the the charge is disclosing private sexual images or films without consent with the intent to cause distress, and that's the bit at the end which is the um, thing that Georgia wants to try and change. So proving the intent to cause distress is is probably the biggest um, thing that uh, stands in the way of a of a conviction is the jury has to be sure that this person decided to upload this particular video or or picture with the intent to cause the person in question um, severe amounts of distress and so I think it could be argued that without that part of the end that uh, even just uploading the private section images with no consent is still a very much a, a very serious criminal offence in itself. So that was a thing we, because when the, the longer we waited thinking, oh, are the jury, I mean, and about that, and just, we're just questioning it ourselves. And so um, I, I, I think I probably would be, would be grateful for the CPS to, um, to, to take that feedback on board and potentially think about it for the future when they're updating uh, various points of law, because, that does seem to me like a quite a hurdle to get over. Obviously, with Bear, it, it, the jury found him unanimously guilty of it, so they, they were all very sure. But for others, the other case, every case is different. So it might end up being that we get cases which are a bit, a bit more kind of there's, there's more complexity to it, or there's more shades of grey. I, I don't know, but it's it's a very big hurdle. And so I hope that this this um, this case will essentially provide good feedback for the lawmakers to. Consider that in the future. Ellis Whitehouse, thank you very much. Thank you. Testimony is a laudable production for Reach in collaboration with Essex Live. It was presented and produced by me, Daniel J. McLaughlin, and featuring Essex Live Chief Reporter Ellis Whitehouse. 
You can listen to Testimony wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Apple. Goodbye. <laughs>